Minotaurs are iconic. They're depicted as bullheaded monsters that stalk the labyrinth and hunt down anyone that's foolish enough to challenge their deadly maze. Though the whole monster label has kind of fallen by the wayside ever since we've gotten playable Minotaurs in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica and Mythic Odysseys of Theros. They're interesting characters to play from multiple perspectives, and we're going to go over all of that in today's episode. It's pretty hard to talk about Minotaur culture because there is no unified Minotaur culture, so it's best to talk about all three of them separately. Starting off with the Forgotten Realms, it's going to be kind of difficult for you to justify playing a character that comes from here, considering that they're basically just monsters when they come from here. They're generally just killed on sight because they love to feast upon human flesh and pray to evil gods. Very rarely do Minotaurs get along with humanoids here, and usually when they do, it's just to procure more humanoid flesh for them to feast on. So they're seldom more than just a clever, conniving, and hungry beast. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Minotaurs are widely accepted in Ravnica. Their brute strength and tactical cunning are of great use to the guilds that live there. Here, Minotaur are united by their ancestral history, as well as heroes of Minotaur lore that have been elevated to the status of gods. Each Minotaur is descended from one of these heroes, and which line they descended from often impacts what guild they belong to in the present. The most common of these is the Ordrun line, the hero said to have taught all Minotaur the art of war. The Minotaurs of Theros come in two distinct flavors, the savage monsters that fight over the bad lands of Favaros, and the more, let's call them, civilized Minotaurs that have found refuge within the city of Skaphos. The monsters that inhabit Favaros are really almost no different than the ones from the Forgotten Realms. They're big, scary, mean, hungry, and will devour anyone that comes into their territory uninvited. They're not mindless, however. They live to bring honor and glory to the god Mogus, the god of slaughter. Though this is admittedly a small comfort for any traveler that they are picking from their teeth currently. Moving into the walls of the city, Skaphos is itself a literal maze, the walls of which are covered with homes, temples, and carvings of ancient Minotaur heroes. Here, the savage predation of Minotaurs in the Ashland is replaced with the strength of arms and the rule of tyrants. Great temples to Magus can be found dotted around the city, but all gods among the Pantheon are recognized here. Whatever a Minotaur believes, they believe in it fully. Most Minotaur are actually pretty slow to anger, but once they are driven past that point of no return, it's that innate passion of theirs that will push them forward all the way to the end. Minotaur, no matter what they're asked to do, will do so with zeal and with no half measures put in place. They love life, they love their friends, and they worship their deities. Regardless of what plane they're from, Minotaurs are almost always going to be large, hooved humanoid creatures with the head of a bull or a cow. They sometimes are covered in fur or patches of fur on their arms, legs, and backs, and they almost always have horns between one and three feet long. Other than that, Minotaurs give you a lot of room creatively. The amount of fur or what color it is is completely up to you, and I personally like to extend all that creativity to every aspect of their design. I, for instance, like to decorate their horns with glyphs carved into them to represent some ancient history or perhaps an event that's just important to them. Much in the same way we discussed their culture, we're going to have to go over Minotaur names by each of the three categories. Minotaurs of the Forgotten Realm tend to have guttural names that reflect upon some of their greatest deeds and accomplishments. Seeing as many of them are simple-minded and direct, I would assume that their names should also follow suit. The Minotaurs of Ravnica named their children after ancient heroes, but also the minor characters in those stories so that they too are never forgotten. 
if it sounds cool in the context of an epic tale or a battle cry, that's the name you go with. Minotaurs of Theros are often named after ancient champions, though their parents may choose to give them their own original name so that they can carve out a legacy all their own. Whatever name you go with, I highly encourage you to come up with a cool history for that so that you can flesh out your character, perhaps in a way that you may not have intended. Starting with your ability score increase, Minotaurs get a plus two to strength, perhaps quite obviously, and a plus one to constitution. It's hard not to see a melee build with this stat lineup, and you're pushed strongly towards barbarians, fighters, or paladins. When it comes to alignment, minotaurs who leave the walls of Scaphos have the opportunity to be free of its culture and pursue chaotic alignments, while those who remain within its tyrannical regime tend toward lawful alignments. You've essentially got free reign here thematically, though. Chaos, law, good, evil, minotaurs can fit any alignment role you'd really like them to. Minotaurs mature in age at about the same rate as humans, and average at about 6 feet in height, and their size is, you guessed it, medium. This is probably the most egregious casualty of the big but not large trend, considering the basic monster Minotaur is actually large-sized. But, c'est la vie, you're stuck with the boring but standard medium size. Yet again. Their base walking speed is 30 feet, and though that is not exciting, they do have Goring Rush. Immediately after you use the dash action on your turn and move at least 20 feet, you can make one melee attack with your horns as a bonus action. This means your effective attack range is 60 feet. You're only getting one swing off of this, mind you, but in most cases you'll be able to rush right in and smack enemies that your DM may have thought were safe. As you can see, your horns are a natural melee weapon which you can use to make unarmed strikes. If you hit with them, you deal piercing damage equal to 1d6 plus your strength modifier instead of the usual bludgeoning damage normal for an unarmed strike. On their own, natural weapons aren't that great in 5e, but having a d6 weapon strapped to your head is always a nice bonus. You'll always have a backup weapon, even if your hands are full, tied behind your back, or if all of your other weapons have been taken away. On the more tactical side of things, we have hammering horns. Immediately after you hit a creature with a melee attack as part of your attack action on your turn, you can use a bonus action to attempt to shove that target with your horns. The target must be no more than one size larger than you, and within five feet of you. Unless it succeeds on a strength saving throw against a DC equal to eight, plus your proficiency bonus, plus your strength modifier, you push it up to ten feet away from you. This is incredibly helpful if you're trying to push an opponent off of a ledge, or if you're just trying to push them away so that you can get away from the fight before they have a chance to retaliate. Other than the horns, the thing that a Minotaur is most known for is having an imposing presence. You have proficiency in either the skill of intimidation or persuasion. Extra skill proficiencies are always nice, and you should grab one that goes along with the class that you plan to choose, or one that seems to just go with your character. Not all Minotaur want to be scary, they might just want to have a way with words instead. Currently, there are two officially released sets of Minotaur traits, one from Ravnica and one from Theros. Both are correct and are identical in everything except their lore-specific alignment traits. Also, the Ravnica version seems to be missing its age trait, but we're pretty sure that's a typo. There is also a version of Minotaur from Unearthed Arcana still floating around. This early build didn't change much in the transition, but it's still an out-of-date version that you probably shouldn't use. It's not really better anyway. Simply make use of either the Ravnica or the Theros versions, if you ask me. When it comes to Minotaur builds, it's pretty hard to ignore the fact that they lean heavily towards a martial class. As I always mention on this segment, there is no wrong way to build the character that you want to play. A Minotaur wizard may not be optimal, but sure sounds fun from a role-playing perspective. But if it is optimization that you're going for, might I recommend the Cow Flash? 
Minotaurs feel tailor-made for the barbarian class and work especially well with the Path of the Ancestral Guardian. With Ancestral Protectors, you can tag an enemy and seriously nerf their next attacks if they aren't specifically targeting you. At 4th level, you can take the Mobile Feat, which not only bumps up your movement, but makes it so the targets of your attacks cannot take opportunity attacks against you. By 5th level, you'll be a mad pinball whipping around the field and tagging enemies. Not to mention the fact that you have an 100-foot dash attack that lets you shove at the end. You know, just as a little violent cherry on top to all that other stuff. I think Minotaurs are for players who want to create a character that may seem like a monster on the outside, but actually has a lot more brewing under the surface. Whether what's under the surface is an astonishing amount of good, complexity, intelligence, or just a lot of evil is completely up to you. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you're creating a Minotaur character that you're proud of, I would love to read about it down in the comments. I always enjoy reading those. My personal favorite Minotaur character that I've ever created was a Minotaur general named Mormon, or rather that was his nickname. No one actually knew his real name. They gave him that name because the only solution he seems to have in war is more men. More men. <laughs> Despite his military prowess, he also had quite an affinity and appreciation of music. I just kind of like that detail about him. <laughs> Thanks again for watching, guys. I really appreciate it. My name's Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.